0: Good morning, campers! Good
1: morning, campers! Today's activities include... Oh, just driving up to this dark old spooky house in the middle of a storm!
0: Lunch today will be an enormous roast of mysterious provenance.
1: And to the end of the night, we will be doing the Time Warp again!
0: (laughs) So put on your sunscreen, bug spray, and camp uniform as we dive into the Rocky Horror Picture Show!
1: Ah, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Marishka Hargitay, Sarah.
0: Marishka Hargitay, Sam.
1: I am your camp counselor, Sam, an ex-pro wrestler in training and current drag wrestling manager.
0: And I'm camp counselor, Sarah. I see you shiver in antici... And we're here to ask, is it camp? We're diving into popular culture of all kinds to loosely identify what makes something camp.
1: We are not here to be the definitive experts on it, but rather just talk about this often overlooked and frankly queer subgenre. So, you want to talk about queer (laughs) subgenres, eh?
0: I'm honestly surprised it took us this long to get to Rocky Horror.
1: I mean, we had to save it for the right time, and the final week of spooky season seems like the right time to do this
0: right it wasn't it's funny because i know you did the background on this but i was just looking up details about it briefly and uh it seems to me like these two things halloween and rocky horror have always been linked and it was a surprise for me to read like it became linked it just is extra popular around halloween and i had to think oh yeah this didn't happen uh, from the start. This wasn't something <laughs> where the uh, the movie makers were like, and you guys are going to show this every Halloween.
1: <laughs> we, we've made a very specific pact with an unholy <laughs> demon, and you must show it every Halloween, or the world ends.
0: Now, I have to ask you real quick. Did you see the detail about uh, Disney's purchase of Fox with a caveat for this movie?
1: no I did not please enlighten me
0: so um, part of the reason why Rocky Horror has been running so long in theaters is because Fox had a policy where it was basically like once you were past first run you could keep running their movies Disney however has the vault right where they re-release on their schedule and only their schedule and if you want to watch it some other time fuck you right Mm Hmm. So, with the purchase of Fox by Disney, um, all Fox titles fell under that Disney caveat of, if you want to watch it again, fuck you. Except Rocky Horror. Rocky Horror is the exception. So that cinemas can keep showing it.
1: Wow. Isn't that lovely? That's that's incredible. For for just one movie. Because I think they realized that the combined forces yes. of everyone in the world who loves this film suddenly going wait it's out of theater
0: big bad no, no, disney no, no. disney shut down queer cinema
1: i mean that would be it right yeah exactly <laughs> we would it would be a very quick blip of the queer cinema being shut down and then Disney suddenly folding, and then the world becoming a utopia. <laughs> Actually, Disney, Disney, get on it. Shut, shut down Rocky Horror so we can overthrow everything, please. This
0: could have been the one key, but Disney outplayed us. They oh, said you could have your those, one movie, and we were like, You're so generous!
1: <laughs> those sneaky bastards. <laughs> so sarah yes what is your specific because i think out of everything we've ever covered having a specific history with this property is going to be something like oh okay (laughs) Mm, so what what is it
0: um i am going to completely defy all of your expectations (laughs) I I first became aware that this movie was a thing when I was like a teenager through cultural references to it. And uh and those of you who haven't met me, I'm a real indoors kid. I uh I'm like very interesting. Hmm hmm. Let me do my research on this solo and get back to you. So <laughs> one time when I was, I don't know, like 15, 16, around Halloween Bravo was showing Rocky Horror, so I watched Rocky Horror the way it's meant to be watched at home alone. <laughs> and I went, hmm, this is very interesting. I like the music. Not really sure what the big deal is. And went on with my life. I've revisited oh, okay. f- it. I know, I've revisited it a few times. I probably hadn't watched it in like ten, the last ten years or so. Um, But yeah, just events have occurred so that I have never seen this in a theater. Hmm. How about you?
1: Interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, I've never seen it in theater either. And I would very much like to fix that. I would very much like to fix that.
0: I am shocked.
1: But so my first interaction with the Rocky Horror Picture Show was at a Halloween party when I was about 11 or 12.
0: Real? Oh, and you said, I sure hope this doesn't awaken anything in me.
1: Well, here's the thing. I remember whose it was. It was Katie Innes' Halloween party, and her parents were there, and we, we were carving jack-o'-lanterns and all kinds of stuff. This is the year that Pokemon came out, uh, because we were all super into Pokemon. And I remember the parents at one point being like, Hey, kids, gather around. We're going to show you a clip from a movie. Wow, cool parents. And and you guys are going to love it. And they put on the time warp mm. because it's the fucking time warp. And we watched it, and we were all super into it. We were like, this is amazing. This is such a cool and weird and fun thing. And it became like a staple of our school dances going forward Aww. as well. So a- anytime we had a school dance, we asked the DJ put on the Time Warp. But I remember getting to the end of it, and the parents quickly going, "And now we shut this off." <laughs> <laughs> and I was sitting there going, "But why?" And they're like, "Well, we were having um, such a good time." Re- <laughs> yeah, surely if it's this good now, the rest of the movie is going to be great. Yeah. And the parents were just like, "This is not a, a thing that we." The rest of the movie, we're not going to show you, just because we want you to have a guys, guys to have a good time, or
0: something like something like that, right? Some of your parents <laughs> are going to get really weird if we let you watch the rest of this movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, basically, that's that's how they said it without saying it, right? And so it wasn't until a few years later when i was living in the middle east that my mom's very good friend lent me it on dvd and she was just like oh you have to watch this she was australian so very different moral compass than and so, so she was like you're 14 here you go you're like 13 14 here's the rocky horror picture show watch it let me know how it is and i put it on and i watched it and the first time i was like huh that's okay and then i watched it again and then you know watched it again and eventually got my own copy and watched it more times i was like oh i get this and now watching this as a a very queer adult i'm like oh yes oh (laughs) yes okay here we all right here we go i mean i'd watched it a bunch but by the time i went to university and i think for first year university uh i went as a very cheap first year university uh Halloween version of Frankenfurter. Mm -hmm. So I bought my first set of little heels and everything. Little did I know the doorway (laughs) that would open.
0: It truly is a slippery slope.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean I went with a bunch of people to a, a Halloween party in Hull. I got groped by somebody, but there were just so many people there, I couldn't tell who it was, and this couple wouldn't stop dancing on me, like they were just going at each other, and it was like, "Oh, please no i'm I'm also part of this, and I don't wish to be. Thank you, but they were just too into each other. I hope they're okay now. Uh, yeah, that does sound <laughs> t-
0: like the experience of an 18 year old in Hull, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, it's Hull. And not, not English Hall, no. which, I mean, from God, what I've no. <laughs> heard, is also not great. But, uh, yeah, it's it's just one of those things of, like, I think this slowly became one of my favorite musicals for a while. Because I was just mm-hmm. like, all the songs are absolute hits. I love singing them. There's so much energy. There's so much weird, just weirdness, period, to it. And then uh, watching it again for this, there was so much in it. Because again, like you, I probably hadn't watched it properly in 10 years. Mm-hmm. It was definitely like, oh, wow, there's just so much more to this that me as an adult am getting out of this. And I love that.
0: There's some movies that are just that thrive on the rewatch. And this is one of them.
1: Mm-hmm. It Mhm. It just compounds in... In jokes and and things you can watch and look into with it. And then as you age, it ages with you in mm-hmm. terms of like, oh, okay, all these sex things make more sense now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yes. Well, l- I did the background today. And we're going to talk about the Rocky Horror Show. Here we go. So Here is that go. the name of the musical? I figured... That is the name of the musical. Okay. Picture was added in for the movie. Okay. So, it is a musical. It's definitely a musical with music, lyrics, and book, all by Richard O'Brien. It's a lot. He plays Rit Raff. Now, I don't understand what book means. I know what music and lyrics are. But whenever they say book, I'm always like, book, what the fuck?
0: (laughs) Book is basically everything that's written that's not singing. So, like, any dialogue or something like that.
1: Okay. So, you you can sometimes have a just music person, a just lyric person, and a just dialogue person. Yeah, exactly. Or you can have any combination. Okay. So, Richard O'Brien was like, I'm going to do this start to end all me.
0: Yeah, so if you take, like, um, uh, In the Heights, Lin-Manuel did the music, and a different person did the book, whereas on Hamilton, he did both the music and the book.
1: Okay. All
0: right. Now, there's not much book in Hamilton, but yeah. Basically, take all the parts that you don't hear on the recording, that's book.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Okay. So, obviously, this whole thing is a send-up to the old sci-fi, horror, Hollywood B-movies from the 30s to the 60s, mm-hmm. right? From the young, innocent, all-American couple coming upon something strange and unearthly. Is it, is it mad science? Is it aliens? Is it something from beyond the grave? Could there be Vincent Price in this castle? <laughs> right? It's all of those tropes. Being rolled into one, and then being sent up, right? Being not not mocked, but lovingly homaged and parodied. Mm-hmm. The musical premiered in June of 1973 at the Royal Court Theatre, and ran for 2,960 performances before closing in September of 80, 1980.
0: Yeah, I was shocked at how successful it was.
1: It was successful. Like, holy shit. During that time, it also premiered in LA and went on for a nine-month run, as well as Broadway. But on Broadway, it unfortunately only lasted 45 shows, despite earning a Tony nomination during that time. Do you know what the Tony was for? What do Americans know? Pardon? Do you know what the Tony was for? No, I didn't look into that. Okay. But, you know.
0: Yeah,
1: it didn't win. And honestly, winning is all that matters. <laughs> the nomination isn't an honor. Yeah, it's never an, an uh, honor to just over be
0: over Rocky Horror. That's the one that we're talking about 40, 50 years later.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's um, I don't know saint swivel's magic stick or something <coughs> i don't uh, fuck it so the film was then adapted in 1975 which is two years after it premieres right that's that's wild for... to have that kind of a turnaround from stage to screen
0: for what we think of now as like a little movie this is what i mean is that it was shockingly successful to me I was like oh holy shit I thought they were doing this like we'll do we'll put on a show in the back barn and you can make the costumes well it kind of
1: started as that and I'll I'll get into that in a bit but the film is the longest running release of any film in history yeah it is as you said theaters just keep showing it and you know what power to this fucking movie for that so, Richard O'Brien was an out-of-work actor in the 70s, and he wrote Rocky Horror on evenings to keep himself busy and kind of distracted from the crushing poverty that is being an out-of-work actor. His inspiration came for his, from his passion for B-movie sci-fi and horror, Steve Reeves' muscle films, 50s rock and roll, And the idea to really lean into the pretentious and often humorous dialogue of those films. As well as pushing the envelope on sexual liberation and fluidity. So, that's a whole lot of stuff all rolled into one. Right? Basically, Richard O'Brien is is just a...
0: (laughs) This is like... I, I didn't realize it until this time, but this is basically... it slots neatly into that, like... Greece, American graffiti, Star Wars, Jaws thing that all the other people in the 70s seem to have been doing where they were like, I just want to talk about what I watched as a kid.
1: Yeah, that's that's really it. He's He is the nerd that I'm sure a lot of us identify with where it's like, wow, I had all these special interests and then I grew up and I wanted to create something big. So I just smooshed all my special interests together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it'd be like you doing a a time travel pirate musical (laughs) Starting. Oh my god, don't tempt uh, me. (laughs) Starring Catherine Tate and, I don't know, um, uh, Clea Duvall. (laughs) Lesbian pirates (laughs) traveling through time. Oh my god.
0: Well, we need to stop recording. (laughs)
1: I've created something to... And they have to stop Colm Fior and Victor Garber (laughs) from... Who are two spies who loved each other at once. Anyway, going on. Richard O'Brien brought the script to Jim Sharman, who had directed successful runs of Hair and Jesus Christ Superstar in Australia, and who had recently moved to the UK to direct the UK version of Hair. So, Charmin had met O'Brien... Sorry. Uh, yes, Charmin had met O'Brien when the latter played King Herod for one night in the UK <laughs> version of Jesus Christ Superstar that Charmin directed.
0: Wait, Richard O'Brien played King Herod?
1: Yeah, apparently.
0: That is not the casting I expect for either Richard O'Brien or King Herod.
1: I don't know Jesus Christ Superstar, but,
0: uh... Uh, it's played... In the How- movie, it's played by, like, um... Uh, like a a less camp Richard Simmons looking type. Like, imagine Richard Simmons as, like, uh, a fuck off wealthy dude, that's King Herod's vibe.
1: Well, no, that's kind of the the Richard O'Brien vibe I get. I, but you haven't seen things like the Crystal Pal, uh, the Crystal Maze, have you?
0: I think the only other thing I've seen Richard O'Brien in is, um, is it Ever After the Barry- the Drew Barrymore movie? Yes, yeah, yeah. That's yes, the only thing. It is ever After, yeah.
1: Or. Have you ever seen a little Disney show called Phineas and Ferb?
0: I have not.
1: He plays the dad in that, what? which every time I watched it I was like, this is a children's cartoon. <laughs> Disney, are you are you sure you want to hire Richard O'Brien, noted sex person Richard O'Brien, <laughs> noted sex person. A man <laughs> He's not a he's not a pervert as far yeah. as I'm uh, concerned, but you know, he, but he if you were a casting a pervert, sex. I know who I'd choose first. <laughs> yeah, it's just like yeah, we we could have hired anyone for this role, but we chose a porn star who wants to do voice acting. Is <laughs> kind of roughly the same level of what I feel of that. Yeah. But anyway, it's tons of kids watch Phineas and Ferb. And it had Richard O'Brien in it regularly, <laughs> for some reason.
0: See, this is literally what my mom talks about when uh, my brother and I were watching *Muppet Treasure Island* as kids, and she was oh, and we were and like, "We love Tim Curry, wholesome celebrity Tim Curry."
1: <laughs> oh man! So, uh, yeah, Charman directed uh, the UK version of *Jesus Christ Superstar*, and he had also brought with him from us the australian production an actress called nell campbell who might be one uh, little nell
0: Ooh. <laughs>
1: Ooh. anyway the original title for the play was they came from denton high <laughs> but thankfully that was changed to the rocky horror show at the suggestion of Sharman. An odd choice for a title, but sure. Yep. So, original cast included Tim Curry, who came up with Frankenfurter's signature dialogue style. He said he wanted to make to make it sound like the Queen,
0: which fits. You can't picture Frankenfurter any other way.
1: Well, I mean, I can also picture Frankenfurter as Anthony Stewart Head, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Patricia Quinn, uh, Little Nell julie covington and richard o'brien and it premiered in a 63 seat theater <laughs> in the upstairs of the royal court theater
0: it's those extra three that really make you uh, turn a profit um have i ever told you about the time i met patricia quinn
1: no please do
0: okay patricia quinn was also in doctor who so i met her at a doctor who convention
1: who was she in Doctor Who?
0: Oh, she's in the classic series. Well, yes. Um, let me look it up real quick. But I saw her because a uh, previous guest of the show, uh Steven was interviewing her on the main stage as part of the um opening act. He and um Warren, who's also been on the show, and Chris, uh, have a podcast called Radio Free Scarrow. And they traditionally do the opening for, like, the last 10 years or so of Gallifrey One, this um, Doctor Who convention. So, as that, he does a bunch of basically, like, mini-interviews with a bunch of the guests. And one of them was Patricia Quinn. She... She was in Dragonfire, and she was also in some of the big Finnish uh, stories. There's her okay. answer. So, later than this. I was expecting it to be in the 70s. Uh, Patricia Quinn is interesting? Hmm. I think she talked for about 30 minutes. I think there were, like, two questions. Um, Patricia Quinn... Is, I'm not going to say not all there. Patricia Quinn loves being on stage. And uh, whatever chemistry was going on in her brain, she was enjoying it very much. I'm going to say that.
1: Okay, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Just a, a lady who's lived a, a big life.
0: A very big life. Gotcha. But if you ever mm. meet Stephen, um, I can only recommend that you ask him about his Patricia Quinn interview.
1: Okay. <laughs> so, like I said, premiered at the, at the 63-seat theater. And wildly enough, it was a huge success, mm-hmm. both critically and commercially. The Guardian at the time wrote... It achieves the rare feat of both of being both witty and erotic at the same time. And that Curry gives a garishly Bowie-esque performance as the ambisextrous doctor.
0: <laughs> ambisextrous. I like that.
1: I love that. I loved that. Yeah. I was just like, yes, I have to say this. This is brilliant. So it eventually grew from the modest 63-seater to a near-permanent home at the 500-seat King's Road Theater from November of 73 onwards.
0: Good lord.
1: So the fact that within six months, the, the, the commercial success of this play went from like, oh yeah, 63 people, to, no, we gotta shove 500 people in here now. In the original productions, Sweet Transvestite and Time Warp were actually switched around.
0: Yeah, I but can this see that. was,
1: this was amended for later versions to match the film. Mm. So, I think it was you who has previously talked about uh, famous New York Review person Rex Reed.
0: Yes, probably.
1: Okay, Pro- probably you. I'm, I I'm love sure old
0: film critics. That sounds like something I would do.
1: So Rex Reed said of the production that it was only for homosexuals.
0: Good. None of this bros thing where it's like we need straight people to come. I want it to be gatekeepy as hell.
1: <laughs> oh, man. But beyond beyond Rex Reed, apparently most critics love the uh, the play. So... <clears throat> oh, gosh. Sarah, what's that? What's that behind oh, you? Oh, no. A <laughs> pair of French <laughs> doors come swinging down from the, <laughs> from the ceiling. <laughs> it looks like it's about to crash and that they're made of crystal, but it's fine. They land smoothly and gently. They open up, and a horrible little puppet on a tricycle comes out.
0: Hello, Sarah! <clears throat> Hello, Robin. <laughs> <clears throat>
1: Your your arms and legs this ta- time are bound by uh, lovely Halloween decorations like spooky eyeballs and little bats. Ooh, oh. Oh. yes, I'm here with a quiz. All you have to do is tell me which of these notable performers did not create the role in each category. Ooh. So, for the role of Frankenfurter, which of these people did not play Frankenfurter? Was it Tim Curry, David Arquette, Alan Cumming, Julian McMahon, or Laverne Cox?
0: I mean, it's got to be uh, David Arquette, right?
1: Wrong. It was Alan Cumming. That's the one I made up.
0: Alan Cumming? Okay, we need to end this now. Find Alan Cumming and fix this.
1: (laughs) I'm just back here just as shocked as you are, Sarah. (laughs) Quiet, you!
0: I'm so glad that uh, Robin made uh, time for us in between shooting his new film. I'm sorry, their new film.
1: Thank you. It's they, them, please. (laughs) For the role of Janet Weiss. Susan Sarandon. Leah Michelle, Tony Collette, or Victoria Justice?
0: Oh I I think I do actually know this one, but I'm kinda sad uh, that the answer is I feel Tony Collette.
1: Correct Boo And Yeah, I know, I know Boo. <laughs> For Brad Majors Barry Bostwick Matthew Morrison, Ben Forster, Luke Perry, or David Hyde Pierce?
0: Are you... Are you telling me that in The Glee, Rocky Horror, The Teacher and the... St- anyway. Um, <laughs> I think it's David Hyde Pierce.
1: Correct. No, Matthew Morrison did not play him in The the Glee version. We're talking notable stage versions. Oh,
0: okay, okay. Whew.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, I know that would be um, wildly inappropriate even, to say that even least.
0: inappropriate on a Glee level.
1: <clears throat> Glee, a famously inappropriate television show. For the role of Riff Raff, Victor Garber, Richard O'Brien, Raúl Esparza. Lucas Grabeel or Sebastian Bach?
0: Ooh, okay. First of all, I love Sebastian Bach as this. Um, I think Raul Esparza might be too famous for. Th- I'm going to say Raul Esparza.
1: Wrong! Ooh. It's Victor Garber! No! <laughs> for Colombia. Little Nell, Joan Jett, Anna Gaster, or Ruby Rose?
0: Ooh, um... Ruby Rose.
1: Correct. (laughs) For the rule of Eddie, Meatloaf, Kenan Thompson, Jorge Garcia, or Adam Lambert?
0: Oh, um... I'm gonna go with Jorge Garcia, just because that's the only name I don't recognize.
1: That's the guy from Lost, the big guy.
0: Oh! Okay, yeah. If I saw his face, I would definitely recognize him, yeah.
1: So you think it's him?
0: Uh Give me the options again.
1: Meatloaf, Keenan Thompson, Jorge Garcia, or Adam Lambert.
0: I think in that case, I think Keenan Thompson.
1: Oh, you're correct again. In the role of Dr. Scott, Meatloaf, George Lopez, or Peter Capaldi?
0: Okay, you've you've introduced another hope into my heart. Peter Capaldi?
1: Yes, he wasn't in it. No! (laughs) And finally, as the narrator slash criminologist... This is a long list. Try to keep it all in your head. Okay. Jack Nicholson, Danny DeVito, Cindy Lauper, Emma Bunton, yes, Baby Spice, (laughs) Stephen Stephen Fry, Anthony Head, Richard O'Brien, Tim Curry, Penn, Teller, Jerry Springer, Sally Jesse Raphael, and Gilbert Gottfried.
0: Holy shit. I only one of these live, people I want to know the <laughs> horror revivals now.
1: Only one of these people did not play
0: uh, the narrator
1: slash criminologist.
0: I'm gonna say teller.
1: Incorrect! It
0: was Cindy Lopper. <laughs> oh, but she fits in so- excellent, excellent red herring.
1: Thank you. But I mean that list was I, Emma Bunton. Come on! <laughs> Emma Bunton
0: (laughs) I'm gonna choose to believe that this was Emma Bunton in like nineteen ninety-eight too. Maybe,
1: who knows?
0: (laughs) Anyway Just to really lean into (laughs) Emma Bunton
1: Well, you've you've answered my questions and I don't care if they're right or wrong, but you get released anyway. Come, children. And the the Halloween decorations fall from you and and come back into the tricycle. And Robin goes,
0: goodbye!
1: And backs out of the French doors as they careen back up into the ceiling.
0: Goodbye, Robin. I'm so glad he was able... uh, I'm sorry. I'm so glad they were able to schedule time with us. Thank you, they, them! Just a they, them causing mayhem.
1: Wow, who would have thought that any of that would be true? <laughs> <laughs> but it is. It absolutely is cuz Robin said so.
0: What a crazy random happenstance.
1: Mhm. Yeah. So um that's that's my background on The Rocky Horror Show. It's it really is that like post 60s, you know, all the all the flower hippy-dippy people and their sexual liberation their kind of things started dying off but this is where we start getting that punk scene and where sex is really being embraced as no fuck it let's yeah let's liberate ourselves with sex and and rock and roll and shit
0: it is shocking watching this how a story about sex so much (laughs) a lot of it holds up a lot of the politics of this film holds up
1: yeah, uh, I mean, aside from you know the the you know Frankenfurter being a transvestite from Transsexual Transylvania, I mean that's ju- that's just fun. Most of the time, we don't really say transvestite that much anymore, or but
0: transsexual, yeah,
1: yeah. But um, beyond that small point, the the movie and the play itself, it's very forward thinking of just like. Fuck it, sex is good and fun, and why shouldn't we enjoy, enjoy each other's bodies with consent?
0: Yeah, the with consent, I think, is the one thing that this movie falls down on. But other than that, yeah, it's it still feels shockingly modern.
1: Mm-hmm. So shall we get into the film?
0: Let's talk about it. So the movie starts with the opening credits, the iconic lips and mouth singing science fiction double feature. This is basically our thesis statement. Uh for our movie. It goes, remember those old movies? Weren't they fun? Well you're about to watch another one of them
1: But this time with with Blackjack and Hooker is
0: In fact forget the science fiction double feature. <laughs> Uh, and then a criminologist narrates the tale of Brad Majors and Janet Weiss. We open on a wedding. Uh, I was very surprised re- watching this because I didn't remember that this wasn't their wedding. And I was like, wait, what is going on? But no, no, it it's
1: that kind of, friend's it's, wedding. it's that all American of like... Hey, I just got married. When are you going to tie the knot, big guy? Kind of thing, and like, oh yeah, you know what? Let's just do it.
0: Exactly, uh, because Janet catches the bouquet, and the the new husband says to Brad, "Well, you know, you're next, buddy." Oh, wouldn't that be terrible? Yada yada yada. And then Brad proposes to Janet in "Damn it, Janet." Maybe the catchiest song.
1: It's one of my regular go-tos on my playlist, for sure. I, I I love the boldness of having Barry Bostwick sing the high notes in this and not <laughs> Susan Sarandon.
0: Uh, Did you watch Spin City as a kid?
1: I remember bits and pieces of Spin City, but I don't think it was a regular show for me, no.
0: I watched it regularly. For those who didn't, it was a 90s sitcom um, starring Michael J. Fox, where he's like the, um, I don't know, the chief of staff. Spin doctor, that sort of thing, to the New York City mayor. And the mayor is played by Barry Bostwick, who by this time was like a distinguished older gentleman with like Colonel Sanders hair and stuff like that. So it was literally my mom doing the same thing again, where she's like, you're watching a show with Barry Bostwick, the guy from Rocky Horror?
1: Yeah, yeah, and and definitely playing a role that he would often inhabit afterwards of, look at this old buffoon.
0: Mm-hmm, hmm where, you know, they sort of have to navigate around him as the mayor, that sort of thing.
1: Mm-hmm, not to be confused with Bruce Boxleitner, because that took Bruce, me a while to figure out.
0: Bruce Boxleitner is one of those things... Uh, You know, I didn't think about him for years, and then, like, three times last week his name came up. It's weird how that happens.
1: It's the Bader meinhof effect. Yes.
0: Did you catch the cameos in this opening scene?
1: Of Tim Curry, Richard O'Brien, Patricia Quidd, and Little Nell?
0: Yes, they are all there in sort of, like, church drag. (laughs) If you guys don't notice they're They're basically in the background of pictures of photos being taken.
1: yeah, they're uh, I believe Tim Curry is the preacher, the pastor, whatever it is, and uh, Richard O'Brien and I think Patricia Quinn are doing their best American Gothic impersonation. A mm-hmm. painting that m- many people believe is of a husband and wife. It is not. it is of a man and his daughter.
0: And I believe the man was the painter's dentist. Like, he's not actually a farmer, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is weird. Uh,
0: so they propose they're in love. They dance to the wedding. I'm sorry, not the wedding. The church where the wedding was. Uh, the church that is very quickly being <laughs> redecorated to host a funeral. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's literally like the, the reverse of the Hamlet line about the funeral meets uh, servicing the... A wedding banquet.
1: No, I mean, you could actually say that this movie is also for funerals and a wedding.
0: <laughs> hey! Hey!
1: Hey!
0: So they decide that because they met in a science class, the same uh, class that their friends, who just got married, met at, what they want to do is, because they're now engaged, they want to go out and meet the doctor and like let him be the first to know that they're now engaged so they drive off into a hideous storm first off
1: who does this (laughs) (laughs) like it's noted that you know dr scott is their friend now after having graduated i guess that's super weird to me. Like, beyond levels of glee weird.
0: Also, I think they do specify that it's a high school science class that they met in. Which, Susan Sarandon and Barry Bostwick, I, I don't know how old they're supposed to be, but you are not giving me high schooler. You are not even giving me Rizzo in Greece.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> Look at all these 35-year-olds that we have at our high school.
0: How do you do, fellow kids? (laughs) Uh, So they're driving in the rain. They get a flat tire. And, of course, they're in the middle of the countryside. So Brad says he's going to walk back to that castle they passed (laughs) a while ago and see if he can borrow their phone to get a repair.
1: Just... you know, one of those random castles in the, in, in the middle of nowhere that you <laughs> regularly passed.
0: Uh, and Janet says, of course, like, I'm not letting you go by yourself. I'm going to come with you. We're in this together. That sort of thing. So they walk over and there we have the song over at the Frankenstein place.
1: Love it. Love this song. I, I, oh, one of the things we haven't talked about is the mm-hmm. interaction that the audience often is encouraged to do with this film. And sometimes the br- uh, the play as well.
0: Yes, the criminologist. Who's sort of our, our narrator. Oh, not that kind of interaction. No,
1: no, no. Uh, I mean, the like, midnight screening. The audience. Yeah, yes. the audience participation.
0: Yeah. They say toast and you're all supposed to throw toast.
1: Yeah, so... At, at this point, from what I remember of the audience participation, while you're doing over at the Frankenstein place, the first half of the audience uh, are meant to pull out newspapers and hold over their heads. The back half of the audience are meant to pull out squirt guns <laughs> and simulate rain onto them.
0: Oh, that's great.
1: Yeah, this, this film is... Basically the template for all audience interaction kind of cult classics going forward. I, I mean there there may have been a couple before that, but I know that this is one. Uh what else has audience interaction the in room. it now? The room, yes, the room. You're telling me apart, Lisa.
0: Throwing forks.
1: Mm hmm. It's just this this strange thing that kind of erupted out of the ether, I guess, of people saying, "We love this movie so much, we love like repeating lines from it and enjoying it. Oh, when I went to um when I went to see Hedwig and the Angry Inch, uh, one of the audience interaction parts is uh, when Hedwig pulls the bra out of the the dryer mm-hmm. and starts yelling. Who did this? Who did this? You don't put a bra in the dryer. It warps!
0: <laughs>
1: and everybody in the theater was saying it. It's, it's great. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's, one that, when that's that that I a reason heard, why you want to see it.
0: <laughs> one that I heard once was a Star Wars interactive one where uh, Obi-Wan says, Now there's a name I haven't heard. In a long time. And then the audience is supposed to go, how long? And he goes, a long, long time.
1: (laughs) When is the winter of our discontent?
0: Now Now is the winter
1: winter of our discontent. Oh, Uh, man.
0: So the Frankenstein place, the castle, uh, they are greeted by Richard O'Brien as Riff Raff and Magenta and Columbia. And he invites them in and says the master is having uh, a few people over. And that's the, n- the strange noises you're hearing. And he invites them into the ballroom where the annual Transylvanian convention is going on.
1: <laughs> it's like uh, the, the foyer of this house is ooky spooky. Adam's family. You know, cobwebs everything where here's a skeleton for good measure.
0: Yeah, it's definitely like the these characters don't realize that they've just fallen into a horror movie.
1: Is it a horror movie though?
0: Is it I think I think the trappings of it suggest that they have fallen into a horror movie. It is not actually a horror movie, but it is wearing a horror movie's clothes.
1: Oh wait, they do eat human flesh. So yeah. <laughs> that is a bit horrific.
0: Yeah. <laughs> They 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 stumble into a castle that has a mad scientist in it. I think technically that's a horror movie. Technically. Uh so when they meet everybody at the convention, this is where they dance the time warp. What oh, what is to be said about God. the time warp that hasn't already been said?
1: I I will say this. I believe that any DJ worth their salt should have the time warp. Ready to go. Are you a wedding DJ? Are you a bar mitzvah DJ? Are you a bat mitzvah DJ? Are you a school dance DJ? Whatever it is, you should always have the time warp ready to go because nothing gets people up and dancing like a song that has very clear instructions to it.
0: Yes! Everybody can dance the time warp. Everybody. If you can't, it will tell you how.
1: Yeah, it's it's great, and I love like just at parties at weddings. I always ask the DJ, "Can you play the Time Warp?" Because it's a great chance to really get the crowd kind of together. Because you can get the olds, you can get the young kids. Uh, the young kids will be very confused by it, but you can see that a lot of the olds will be like, "Oh yeah, I remember the Time Warp," and. You know, maybe some of them haven't heard or seen it in 20, 30, 40 years, but you can all definitely just get going and have a good time. And you don't have to dance it correctly either. No. You just need to put enthusiasm in.
0: Yeah, it's not like the Time Warp's a terribly complicated dance. Like, you don't have to execute it well. (laughs) (laughs) It's literally the dance made for white people.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. It is a very white person dance. And <laughs> it's just it's so much fun to watch the criminologist really get into the song as well in the film. Yes.
0: I love those uh. old fashioned diagrams that they have like silhouettes of feet in the pattern. I, I wish those yes. would come back in fashion.
1: Well, why not? Let's do it. Let's talk to Vogue right now. Get Vogue (laughs) on the line.
0: Hello, Anna Wintour. Yes. Ooh, thank you. Uh, (laughs) Speaking of fashion divas, the heart of this movie hasn't shown up yet. Oh my god.
1: No, because close to the end of the song.
0: The feeling I felt when he steps onto the screen. I... Oh... Oh, have we covered a Tim Curry property before?
1: I don't think we've covered a Tim Curry yet. We've talked around a lot of Tim Curry, Good but Lord, what a way to make an entrance! Right, all of your all of your party goers are lying on the floor. You have two soaked teens. I put in the <laughs> loosest quotation marks. And you ride down one of those old timey, you know, uh, metal great elevators in platform heels, and uh, it's not a cape; it's a it's a, a cloak. Yeah, a high collared cloak, perfectly framing your face,
0: like the Evil Queen from Snow White.
1: Mm-hmm. And just one of my favorite things is the shade of lipstick he's wearing whatever it is i want to find it and i want it it's like because like are n- color right yeah but it's got a, a an incredible pop to mm. it right like normally a dark on especially like a white face in a dark hair and so on and so forth it'll get flattened out but this pops it's obviously got a black lip liner a very dark wine red, but it's a glossy wine red as well.
0: Yeah, all of Tim Curry's makeup in this makes him look like sort of like a coloring book drawing. There's there's heavy outlining on everything.
1: And he's just got the most expressive face. Incredible eyebrow acting. Oh, yes. Uh, just like, nor- normally when you draw that kind of eyebrows on, you better hope that the person who has them has an expressive forehead and tim curry is just expressing all over the place with that forehead
0: like don't get me wrong i love tim curry in other stuff but especially for people our age who probably didn't see this as their first tim curry role you see this and you're like oh this is the role this man was born to play
1: yeah, this is the role that was made for him, made by him, and made him.
0: <laughs> made of by and for the Tim Curries. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: uh,
0: and he sings. I think the best song, which is "Sweet Transvestite."
1: It again. There, there's only two that make it into my regular rotation on my playlist, and it is. Sweet Transvestite and Dammit Janet that's not to say the rest of the songs in this fucking musical aren't absolutely amazing it's just saying out of the amazing this is the top tier amazing
0: it's also like the biggest high energy full company piece in the show
1: mm. it's oozing sex it's it gives you everything you need to know about Tim Curry's character.
0: Uh, the the biggest thing I have to say about getting older is you get more confident, you care less about the small shit, and you get more attracted to Tim Curry.
1: <laughs> ah, I uh,
0: <laughs> I was like a teenager. I was like eighteen or something, and I remember saying to a friend once, like, I think. Tim Curry's kind of like a, a a bit sexy, you know. And she looked at me like, "What?" And I just hid that for the next 10 years. <laughs> and now I'm in my 30s and I'm like, "Tim Curry's very sexy. So
1: sexy in this."
0: I believe I just, texted you that he is too sexy in this.
1: It's it's that thing of confidence is sexy. Mhm. Mm-hmm. And Tim Curry is all all confidence in this film. I wait. One day we'll we'll hopefully get to Legend, and you can see like another sexy Tim. I think Tim Curry just does sexy really well. He's sexy as Long John Silver.
0: He's sexy, he's sexy, in sexy Fern as Fern Gully.
1: He's sexy in Fern Gully. It's just like what is what is wrong with this man? What is wrong <laughs> with me? No, it's the world that's wrong. <laughs>
0: Uh, so we have yes,
1: Sweet Transvestite. Sweet, sweet Transvestite. Ugh, ugh, ugh.
0: After this, all the movement moves to the lab upstairs. Uh, it's around now Not that-
1: before. Jan- Janet and Brad are stripped yeah. down to their underpants. Let's
0: get you out of those wet things. <laughs> uh, and... In his lab, which is like, it feels like it was designed by Tim Burton. I'm I'm surprised there isn't like a black and white spinning dial on one wall.
1: It's so beautifully simple. And one of the things I, I noticed as well this time is it's pink.
0: It's, it's very so pink. It's un, so
1: unbelievably pink. I used to think it was white. Mm-hmm. But no, no, it's not lab white. It is... Candy pink.
0: This could really easily... driving home that yeah
1: that driving home that hey guys, it's real queer this movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, this could be the next lab over from that lab in uh, in Little Abner where they make the hunks.
1: Hmm. I, I mean, they're they're sharing some of the same technology
0: <laughs> because Frank has claimed to discover the secret to life itself. And we meet Rocky. Now, Kay. I don't <sighs> like big muscly men.
1: I didn't make him for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not
1: what I love about this is that, yes, he's a muscular guy. Uh, he's not a big muscular guy. He's a very lean muscular mm-hmm. guy. He's like a Jason Statham kind of muscular. Yeah. But, I I love that there's, like, Janet obviously is, no, 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 I don't like this, I don't like this at all. And then over the course of the movie, it just becomes like, fuck it. It's not that she suddenly loves muscular guys, it's that she suddenly loves sex. Yes.
0: <laughs> Maybe she's just been looking at big muscly men through the wrong lens this whole time.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm very much in the Frankenfurter boat of, yes, please.
0: <laughs> Oil him up.
1: I want some beef tonight.
0: I love that Frankenfurter keeps singing about Charles Atlas, which was kind of a dated um, reference even back then. And nowadays, yeah. I don't think you would know anyone who knows about Charles Atlas unless they're weirdos like you and me.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's a lot of like people who are like into bodybuilding also know it because Mm, you you slowly learn about like you learn about the history of your sport to Mm -hmm. an extent. Right. If you get into rugby, you learn about the history of rugby. If you get into tennis, you learn about the history of tennis.
0: Yeah. I never thought about him like as a sportsman like that.
1: Yeah, well, because it's it's really different you in in the bodybuilding sort of scene because you learn about you know all these pioneers in what made the sport famous as well. Mm-hmm. Right? What brought it out from just because originally it was carnival stuff, right? Here's the strong man, here's um Charles Sandow. You know the most muscular man in the world, and today it's like, oh yeah, that's most athletes right now. Yeah, <laughs> and, you that's know, well, look all at this oddity. Back then, like
0: smoked and lived on an all red meat diet.
1: Yeah, all red meat and cocaine diet. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, I mean, athletes back then would also be like, what's that, Charles? You're, you're going to run in a marathon? Why? You've never been in a marathon, period. I'll join you.
0: They also, legit, this is real, thought that women could not run because it would shake their internal organs about.
1: Well, you guys have that wandering uterus problem, right? That science created the the hysteria machine to deal with. Could have just mm. wandered right out of your feet during oh, the no. race. I
0: feel, oh I feel no, hysteria coming on. But yeah, they literally thought it created um, prolapse.
1: I mean. There were so many wild ideas that they had back. Then. They thought if you went above a certain speed, you would just die. <laughs> yeah, and that just certain speed jelly. was like 30 like 30 kilometers per hour. They were like, "Oh, <laughs> if you go over that, you'll you'll be brain dead."
0: Man was not meant to zoom zoom
1: <laughs> as much as that spooky child tells us to. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember what company that's for.
0: I think it's Mazda.
1: Fucking Mazda. I don't like Uh. Mazdas. (laughs) Okay. All right. Back off of our tangent.
0: Yeah. (laughs) From (laughs) Japanese car manufacturers back to our true love, Rocky Horror. Uh, Rocky Horror. (laughs) Frank says he can turn Rocky into an ideal man in a week. I can make you a man. This is where I, once we get into the lab, this is where I feel like the movie starts to sag a little bit.
1: So this was the first time listening to this song that I finally understood it.
0: Oh, like I can make you a man?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because before I'd been thinking like, oh, you know, he, he'll put him on a, a strict training regimen and he'll get muscly and Yada 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 it was just like No if they go away for a week He's gonna fuck him so good He'll be a man after it <laughs> Yes
0: Yeah the point where uh, uh, Frankenfurter climbs onto The pommel horse really drove That home for me
1: Yeah like I understood There was the sexual undertone but I But bef- previously I had been In the thought of Oh, he'll make him muscly so that they can have sex. And it was, no, he's going to sex him so bad, he will be a man. Got it. Great. Love this. Moving on, you thicko, Sam.
0: <laughs> this is a very rare male uh, example of the trope born sexy to yesterday. He's just a sexy oh, yeah. little baby. Oh, mm. yeah.
1: Yeah, he's just a sexy boy. Sexy boy! He's not a boy toy. Boy toy! <laughs> what
0: the fuck is that?
1: What, you don't know Shawn Michaels' entrance music? <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> that explains no, sh- the gap so- in my knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was getting really nervous Mi- for a second. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that Sam had... An incredible stroke that made him sing like.
0: No, I thought this I was going to be like Oh, don't you remember That was the second theme song to Armageddon It was a huge hit in 98
1: <laughs> Oh, that you'd had the stroke And had forgotten this yes. cultural touchstone
0: Because <laughs> normally Which we're is... so on the same page With references
1: yeah, I, I'm so sorry that occasionally the wrestling reference goes right over your head. <laughs> it's... So, yeah, okay. So, Sean Sh- Sh- Michaels was one half of the tag team, the Rockers. They split apart. He went his own way and became the half-baked... Not half-baked. Half-baked kid is my coach. He is the heartbreak kid. There we go. Sean Michaels. And he would come out to this theme song which would be, I'm just a sexy boy, sexy boy, I'm not your boy, toy, boy, toy, <laughs> and, you know, he'd come in, and, but the song would also be filled with, like, ladies moaning kind of sounds, and, you know, that very early 90s, like, synthy rock sound to it, too. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's great, it's it's super great Maybe maybe I'll get Sarah to insert a small clip of it Into the episode, who knows But it's dope <laughs> as fuck And Shawn Michaels is dope as fuck
0: I'm so excited to hear what it actually sounds like
1: Oh I, I'm not even joking With my <laughs> teen girl squad voice It really is Like a teen girl squad Voice Do Anyway Um <laughs>
0: Do you think the movie slumps here? Because I found myself despite it still being a lot of Frank and fur, I found myself getting kind of bored in this section.
1: You are absolutely right. The movie does lose steam, but that's because you've put, like, your two banger numbers at the beginning.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's it's such a shame that I mean, you can't overcome that. They have to be at the beginning. It it sort of tries to make up for it later with um, Rose Tints My World, but it doesn't have the energy
0: that mm-hmm. these two did. I do really like Hot Patootie, though, because Meatloaf has struck the film! Uh, Eddie I rides out on a <laughs> motorcycle.
1: Through through a bunch of ice because he's been kept in a freezer. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Meatloaf, very sexy in this movie too. I'm
0: gonna I'm gonna disagree, but I I do love Meatloaf's singing voice.
1: I, I don't know. There's just something about this this chunky boy and his confidence that I'm yeah. like yes yes please bring me that I'll take one of those.
0: Uh, Hot Patootie is sung in the Glee. Rocky horror episode by John Stamos. And that's that knowledge is like planted on my brain now. So as I watch Meatloaf absolutely killing it, I'm like, you know who also sang this song? John Stamos. It's it's not even like in a in a passing judgment way. I'm just like, John Stamos got paid money to perform this song.
1: Damn it, Stamos
0: <laughs>
1: My best Cinnamon J Scudworth impression.
0: Uh Yeah, Hot Patootie slaps, except it is Again, it's the 70s Everybody's talking about the 50s Ugh, Just shut up So you guys are in the era of like The best movies and music of all time Why are you so obsessed With the 50s?
1: Yeah, I Really don't like songs That are Themselves nostalgia Throwbacks, I don't like Summer of 69 I don't like uh gimme that old style rock and roll just this like guys, just like I get it, you loved the old music from back then. But you're also making pretty good music now. Stop. Stop stop complaining.
0: Yeah, it's the it's the crocodile rock. Oh yeah. La 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 la, la but I guess they only had meatloaf for a couple days because uh, as soon as his song ends, Frank (laughs) kills him with a pickaxe.
1: And it's violent. It's It's, very violent. Yeah. And just the faces Tim Curry is pulling as he's killing him. Just this pissed off yet gleeful look. I guess I guess at this point you, you kind of find out Eddie was an ex of his before Rocky.
0: And also of either Columbia or Magenta. I can never tell them apart.
1: Magenta's the maid. Columbia is uh the the tap sequined tap dancer. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it would have been Columbia that mm-hmm. Eddie was was shh falling in love with (laughs) I don't know
0: but anyway at this point his body's thrown back into the deep freeze and in a a shot that actually got me very emotional uh, Frank and Rocky depart for the bridal suite
1: it's weirdly sweet I mean they go back to reprise more um, I can make you a man and even Janet gets hit on this this verse.
0: I'm a <laughs> uh, But I, I don't know, just something about, like, putting the veil on and sweeping Rocky up in his arms. I'm just like, equality. Love is love. This movie is very much a not Wrong. a love is love movie. But suddenly I'm like, love is no. love.
1: <laughs> No, no. This movie is lust is Lust.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this movie is what even is gender
1: among many other questions you can ask.
0: Because mm-hmm. uh, the movie's called Get Sex. Oh, I hear a little bass line mm. coming in.
1: That's my Seinfeld bass.
0: <laughs> Oh yeah, the famous sexy Seinfeld base. Okay, so Brad and Janet are shown to different rooms, and Magenta and Columbia are watching through like the CCTV that's set up through this mansion.
1: It's it's a space mansion, so of course there's CCTV everywhere. Good God!
0: And we see the. It's not seduction. Of both Brad and Janet by Frankenfurter, uh, where I mean, they are clearly in the middle of having sex when they realize that it's Frankenfurter and not their fiance.
1: And of course, they they are notably and understandably upset.
0: Yeah. This this has not. But aged, then they well.
1: aren't. Yeah. <laughs> they they reverse course and say, "Well, so long as the other one doesn't find out." i guess we can
0: and that's the thing too is that these scenes part of the reason why they're funny or designed to be funny is that they're the exact same scene brad and janet are saying each other's dialogue um and their apprehensions are the same and their lust for frankenfurter is the same and they just dive right in and that is kind of refreshing that brad is as into it as janet is you know
1: yeah, it's, it's I don't think they ever say anything like, this is perverse or unnatural or something like that. It's it's like, no, I shouldn't because I'm engaged. Mm-hmm. That's why I shouldn't, right? That's the thing holding them back. But then they ultimately go, you know what? I, I guess if the other one's not going to find out. Also, wow. each scene,
0: you, you're watching this through a sheet. So it's like a shadow puppet play. Uh, and each scene is equally sexy, like you see the same thing in both Uh, and, yeah, it's equality in coercion?
1: Yeah. This this is the real tricky part about this thing Mm -hmm. is it's great and it's a bit awful all at the same time but that's that's kind of what the essence of camp is, right? Like, Pink Flamingos and John Waters. Yeah, it Divine ate dog shit. <laughs> and that's great. And that's fucking awful at the same time.
0: But it's interesting, too, because I imagine that so much of what you and I don't blink an eye at, even as, like, you know, closeted kids watching this movie there's a lot that was supposed to be shocking that we don't find shocking, but this still retains that. And maybe that's serving its purpose as well.
1: Yeah. Because we, we should understand some boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, no, we, we, I guess occasionally we have to cross the line a little bit in art in order to point out like, okay, okay, that is where the line is, right?
0: Yeah, and I mean, maybe not so much in, you know, there's, things... There's things no good be- way to say this. Yeah, we are not saying that that rape is the same as homosexuality. This would be a weird episode for us to take that <laughs> stance.
1: Oh, <Well>, yeah. <laughs> Hi, welcome to A Year and a Bit In and Cancelled.
0: And have you heard the good word? this has been a sneak attack um whoa, whoa. no I just I do think it's something that you know we are supposed to find this movie and these characters slightly horrifying. like literally the scene before he murders a guy um and I do think that there's yeah, still well, supposed okay. to be something that we find about frankenfurter off-putting
1: is it the accent <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's why he wanted it to sound posh. He wanted you to say, never trust royalty.
1: Oh, fuck the 1%. Yeah. Don't fuck the 1%. Don't fuck
0: the 1%.
1: You get what I'm saying? (laughs) But yeah, it's... it's, It is just weird, right? It's weird that we get these two parallel stories. They have the same experience. They both go in. I mean... Ultimately, we're coming out of this saying, Consent, guys, consent is super sexy. And once they get give the consent to Frankenfurter, then it's fine, it's great, and the movie can keep going.
0: Yeah, eventually these scenes have very enthusiastic consent, which is quite sexy. Mm hmm. And on top of it, just like the. Okay,
1: all right. So immediately after, we get these very close up shots of. Of Susan Sarandon sort of crying and looking in various directions like where are we? What's going on? Oh Brad we never should have come here and stuff like that. Do you think she's faking it?
0: Oh that's a good point because Janet is clearly Brad does not have an arc in this movie Janet does Janet goes <laughs> no. through some. Janet has some realizations in this movie
1: yeah, yeah, it's it's so strange because she's just had we can assume sex for the first time. Mm-hmm. They've both just had sex for the first time. But what it does to Janet and doesn't do to Brad is it makes it it opens up her appetite.
0: Mm-hmm. So I don't know she if she starts she I, starts wandering
1: Hmm. And as she's wandering, she's still doing the, where are we? What is this place? But it, it feels a little performative in that, is she just saying this because just in case Brad should pop out, she can sound like, oh, oh, I've been so worried. Or is she genuinely worried and she has no idea where she's wandering except it's upwards towards where Frankenfurter and his muscular sex boy <laughs> are
0: Because she stumbles across Rocky in his little aquarium where he's been hiding, and they're both like, oh, the human body. They kind of, uh, the Voyager golden record look at each other, you know? Like, huh. boobs. <laughs> Interesting.
1: Mm. Yo, know, he's he's been uh, wounded because he's been chased around the house by riffraff and some dogs Mm -hmm. and she's she's frightened as well and it it becomes this uh, alas only beauty could tame this beast (laughs) kind of thing
0: i feel like they should sell uh like susan sarandon's underwear from this in a line because it looks surprisingly uh comfortable and sexy at the same time
1: oh i thought you meant like her oh, no, pants, like, no, 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 no. I was like, Sarah, Kel's surprise. This
0: is
1: We're <laughs> learning so much about each other tonight.
0: Speaking of which, why don't you? Uh, I, I would like to be the one not talking about how beautiful a woman is in this movie. Take the floor.
1: Susan Sarandon is my favorite actress in the whole world. <laughs> I'm no, no joke. If she came up to me in the street and said, I am horny as fuck right now. Let's go back to my place. I'd be, yes, please tell me everything you want to do. I would go straight for this woman. Even now, not, not, not talking about her in Rocky Horror Picture Show. I'm talking about her now. She has aged so beautifully and so gracefully. And it's clear, yes, she is having work done, but her whoever her doctor is oh. is treating her with dignity and gave her incredible breasts. Because right now Susan Sarandon has like double D's, and back then she did not have double D's. I can tell you that much.
0: She's she's turned you so straight that you're into boobs now.
1: I am into her boobs. I uh, just <laughs> Just Susan Sarandon and can we also say a bisexual queen? Yes. Yes.
0: Um, so, yes. Yeah, we tweeted out when she uh, when she said on a late night show that she's bi. And I don't know how long she's been bi, but uh, we welcome you with open arms, Susan. Welcome to the family.
1: I, yes, I, I do welcome you with open arms, Susan. You please. welcome her with open legs. that's <laughs> open legs. And open everything. <laughs> please, Susan. But I, I, I don't know what it is about her. I, I think, I think it's because the first erotic th- film I ever saw was *The Witches of Eastwick*. Really, and I was like, uh, "Oh, oh, this is eroticism. This is this is what being sexy is, right?" And it's the only movie where Jack Nicholson is remotely sexy. <laughs> it's it's incredible. She's incredible. I love her, gorgeous woman, aged gracefully. Um, is she still together with with? No. What's his name? Shoot your shot. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. hey Susan, <laughs> you ever wanted to have sex with a gay man?
0: Oh my God, Mom, Mom,
1: don't listen to this, please <laughs> for the.
0: Mother-
1: <laughs> This is the one episode you're banned from listening to, Mom.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. I, You know what? You are not a shy man, but I love what you are like. This is my chance. I'm going for it.
1: Uh, uh, I, I don't know what it is about Susan Sarandon. A very close second place would be Jane Seymour. But mm, Susan Sarandon yeah. and her big bug eyes, I don't understand what it is. <laughs> She's a oh, buck yeah. queen. It's fine.
0: She is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know how she got into acting, right?
0: Uh, no. Was she a model or something?
1: No. Her first husband, Chris Sarandon, voice of Jack oh, Skellington, yes. he was at an audition and she had come along with him. And while at the audition, the casting person was just like, oh, hold on a second. Who is that ravishing, bug-eyed woman over there? <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. I don't think she actually said that. But <laughs> she she looked at Susan Sarandon and was just like, oh, you, you have something. And put her into whatever movie it was or cast mm-hmm. her for whatever the part was. But, I mean, good, good for Chris Sarandon for being married to to Susan Sarandon and him being a very handsome man as well.
0: Prince Humperdinck.
1: Prince Humperdinck. Mm -hmm. And the bad guy from Fright Night. We'll do Fright Night at some point. You'll love it. Oh
0: Yeah, I've only seen the remake. I really like the remake.
1: Oh, both of them are great. They're just great in very distinctly different ways. Mm -hmm. So, what were we saying? Oh, this is uh, Creature of the Night.
0: Creature of the night.
1: Creature of the night. Creature
0: of the night. <laughs> uh, so after discovering that Rocky is missing, Frank returns to the lab with Brad and Riff Raff. Where Brad is like, why Janet? You've been touched. <sighs> and, uh, and Dr. Everett Scott is in the building. He freaks out because Everett Scott is his nemesis and this of course is the Everett Scott that Janet and Brad were originally traveling to visit.
1: What a coincidence.
0: But he's certain that they're they're all like in it against him now. And he uses the various like traps and levers to magnetize his house to drag Dr. Scott's wheelchair (laughs) up a staircase and around a corner and finally into the lab. It looks like something out of the live-action Casper, honestly.
1: I... This... I can only imagine what this scene looks like in a play. Like, Mm, how do you set this up? Like, how big is the set you're dealing with. And I mean, this, this must be like a a set designers kind of wet dream scene, Mm -hmm. right? Of I have a whole set and I have to keep in mind at some point, a guy in a wheelchair needs to be dragged all over it.
0: I, if, if for some reason you guys are listening to this and haven't, um, watched this movie, I want you to picture the house from knives out. On, on a purely aesthetic level, they don't actually look that much alike, but in terms of being, like, cluttered and spooky and lived in, that's the vibe it's going for.
1: Mm-hmm. Twisty, turny, but with an Adams Family feel to it.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's just that the one in Knives Out is much cleaner.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, that whole family lives there, and they're all waspy white people who would yeah. demand that it be clean.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so the reason that he's so concerned about Dr. Scott is he investigates UFOs.
1: You mean unidentified flying objects?
0: Yes. Yes. Or it took ufos, me a while to remember.
1: Yeah, well, my my brain is now stuck in the unidentified aerial phenomenon, which is mm. UAPs now. Yeah. 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 But this, this scene, I still think this is one of the greatest jokes ever put to celluloid of Dr. Scott, Brad, Janet, Rocky, Dr. Scott, Brad, Janet, Rocky, Dr. Scott, Brad, Janet, Rocky. It's... Such a stupid joke. (laughs) Right. But we're going to do it three times, because why not?
0: Uh, We find out that Dr. Scott is there because he is investigating the disappearance of Eddie, who is actually his nephew. Uh, Ooh, coincidence again. Mm -hmm. But Magenta would like everyone to come in to dinner now, please. Hmm. Mm. They all have dinner of an enormous, mysterious roast beast. Hmm.
1: Is it rare who roast beast?
0: <laughs> There's a little detail here where Riff Raff pours the wine and he just continues pouring across the table that I really enjoyed.
1: There's so many little details in this dinner scene that are just chef's gifts perfect that really understate uh like they they cement home that these are strange alien people who don't quite understand what being human is like Mm -hmm. because nobody's place setting at the table is the same as anyone else's everyone's got different cups or mugs or glasses it's in this dark and cramped little room. Just brilliant.
0: So they realize that, of course, they're having roast Eddie. Janet freaks out. She runs into Rocky's arms, and this enrages Frankenfurter. So he then does like a Scooby Doo chase of Janet throughout the house.
1: Where he's singing at the same time uh, You better wise up! Janet Weiss. There's this... so many things that r- rhyme with Weiss, apparently.
0: <laughs> also, I love the idea of Weiss as her name, as, you know, she is white, she is blank. She she is the unwritten purge, if you will.
1: But occasionally people also pronounce it Vice, in Whoa. that this film is all about Vice.
0: I, I Giving love... in
1: to those dark things. I Ooh. love the way...
0: Especially in this, um, given today's climate of transphobes being like, we just want to protect women. um, You could be, you could find this scene very upsetting of like the predatory gay chasing down the woman and that sort of thing. But it's just so fun and, spoiler alert, campy that I, I love this scene. I do. It's so much fun.
1: Oh, it gives, it gives Tim Curry that chance to really run around, do that. There's, there's a certain style of acting that's, that I find is very rare, that not a lot of people do, where they just let their body go. Mm -hmm. And you can see this with Tim Curry, where he is throwing himself down this corridor after her. Like, he'll bash into walls, he'll, like, hike up his skirt a little bit, or... You know, He grabs onto something and uses the momentum of his body to spin himself around it. It's it's not like, I'm coming after you. It's, I'm so engulfed by emotion. I'm so consumed by passion and rage that I've lost control of my body. And I love that. It, you get the same thing in um, the Scream movies. Because the killer, Ghostface, whenever it's played... The person playing them is never, like, the methodical killer or stalking them slowly or, like, point A to point B. They are always throwing their bodies behind it. It's, you know, I'm going to come and stab you, and in order to do that, I am lunging over this couch, and I'm tripping over the table, and I'm sliding across the hall in order to just get one stab in as you're running away. And I love that kind of physical acting.
0: In the Scream movies is... um Ghostface played by like a third party, or is it played by the actor who is revealed to be ghostface
1: usually a third party mm, yeah. and usually the same third party
0: oh, well, that makes sense. you want it to look you know matchy matchy
1: matchy matchy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, so they all meet in Frank's lab, and I feel like this with the with the reveal of the Medusa transducer. God, this mo- this movie is written like La, La, La Crocodile or Amelia Bedelia, really. <laughs> I feel
1: the like- transducer will seduce ya. It's just like yes, of course you're gonna name everything in a rhyming way because that's how you can sing about all these objects.
0: Because this, I feel like, marks the start of the third and final act of the movie. Mm-hmm. And this is where the energy starts to ramp back up again.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's coming to the big finale.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, because the Medusa transducer... I'm sorry, I can't say it without laughing. Um, turns them all into nude statues. This is great. And uh, uh,
1: <laughs> because their clothes fall off their bodies when they do as well. Uh, Again, and, for some reason.
0: Yeah. Everyone has very tasteful pubic hair. And Frank wheels them into the auditorium where he dresses them all in cabaret gear and then unfreezes them to put on a floor show.
1: Because of course, why not? Why wouldn't we?
0: There's there's something really beautiful about Frank like picking up his dolls, dressing them up, posing them the way he likes, and having them be the backup to his big eleven o'clock number. I I don't know, I just there's something very wholesome in it and also like you know when you watch something and you're like Oh, this made so many people feel seen. That that's the feeling I get.
1: Yeah, I and I I love that when we go into this number, none of them are horrified. No. None of them are upset by it. Like it is this, oh, you've given me this gift of sexual and gender liberation. That now, I mean, while Rocky still dances like Rocky, like <laughs> I, he, he literally says he's seven hours old, and so thus <laughs> moves that way. <laughs> but Barry Bostwick really like feeling himself up, feeling his legs and and moving in those sexy and sexual ways. It's stunning and it's beautiful. And one of the things I noticed this time their their face paint. Each of them has a different color, mm-hmm. like some kind of uh, <laughs> uh, like some kind of erotic Ninja Turtles. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I could hear you ramping up to that. And you sold it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I'm titling the episode now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I. It's just like here, here's one with blue and red yeah. and purple, and green, great, erotic Ninja Turtles. Got it.
0: I feel like I we could spend the entire episode just talking about this number. There's the reveal of the RKO Tower, which I remember reading years and years ago, um, they used the RKO Tower, and I may be wrong here, but basically because RKO was no longer in business, so it was like the cheapest thing <laughs> that they could get the rights to. Aren't fair. But you want to talk about, like, horror queers? About a movie that talks about Fey Ray and King Kong, and you have our beautiful monster climbing the RKO tower until it smashes because it literally can't hold him. And instead of falling to his death, he plunges into. Something warm and inviting, and his friends are there, and everybody's happy and beautiful and in love. And ah! <laughs> I I it's, didn't expect how emotional this number would get me.
1: It is a really lovely number because so at this point, um, you know, it, the the big number is all about sexual liberation. Then riffraff mm. and magenta come in to say, Frankenfurter. You've been dicking around way too much. We're tired of your bullshit. We are taking command of this spaceship, and we're going back to Transylvania. Uh, with or without you. Um, well, you know what? Fuck it. You're dead to us now. And so they kill Frankenfurter, and that's when Rocky picks up his body and does the King oh, Kong thing. Yeah. And dies with him. And it is sad. It is this... I. I don't know if it, we could call it love that Rocky feels towards Frankenfurter, but Yeah, you know, there's 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 something just sweet about it. This this, you know, I, I've flown into a rage because you've killed this man, mm-hmm. this man who means so much to me.
0: And I think there's yeah. you know, the blend the explicit um Reference to King Kong in the same ways is is like it's a it's a sort of love, I suppose.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's definitely changed all of their lives, right? Mm -hmm. Columbia, Janet, and and Brad, they've all and Doctor Scott because he's also there. (laughs) Doctor Scott and his legs, I know. And, uh, it's. This is a one crazy night movie. You know, (laughs) the entire action takes place over one night, and they all come out of the other end completely changed. Now, which. Uh, did you watch this on Disney Plus as well?
0: I did. I did.
1: Did you notice that there's a missing song? What? So. When Brad, Janet, and Dr. Scott Crawl out of the building And the building blasts off into space Mm -hmm. Because that's the kind of movie we're in (laughs) There's a song Normally right here Called Superheroes Really? And they just cut right to the end of it Where the narrator does his His little spiel Right, It's all Mm -hmm. about uh how do I describe the song superheroes? I know it's, it's, it's fucked up, but essentially I think <laughs> they're all kind of singing about how they've been changed by it and how mm-hmm. they'll never be the same. And is that a tragedy or is that something, something great? It's, it's a tragic song,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it's, yeah, it's weird that it's been cut out. I don't know what the legality that would cause Disney Plus to remove that one song.
0: Maybe it's different or, versions. You know, this movie's been around so long, it could be that there's simply different cuts of it.
1: Maybe, but I've always, I, I know that song, and I've always had that song. I've seen, you know, mm-hmm. Barry Bostwick crawling around through mist and gravel, singing about superheroes eating the flesh of people. <laughs> Who knows? But for some reason, it has been cut off. Oh, but good news is, not about this movie, but about a missing song, uh, Disney is re-recording or releasing the missing song from Muppet Christmas Carol this year.
0: Yes! I saw that and I thought of you.
1: Yes, because I hate that it's been missing on every copy that I've seen for the last 20 years.
0: It's a great song. It you you have to really dive into like the horror and sadness of Christmas Carol to make it a great story and it does that that song really makes a difference
1: yeah it's the emotional crux of Scrooge's transformation it's him realizing oh I had the greatest love of my life right here and i I wasted it by being obsessed with with the finances mm-hmm. Ah, damn it, if only I could undo it. And that's why it's reprise at the end, When Love is Found, is so much better. Anyway. Yes, but Superheroes that's is, that's, is missing That's Rocky this Horror. Movie. Yeah, that is Rocky Horror. It's a tremendous film. Sarah, do you like it?
0: Yeah, I, I like it. I've been... um, I watched this about a week ago, and then I've been... um re-listening to and re-watching clips of various songs throughout the last week
1: Hmm. I, I think I, I was surprised that again I knew all the words to all the songs despite how high I was <laughs> I was just so into it I was having a great time I was laughing along it's a fantastic movie and I hope one day to go to a live event do that whole shtick
0: Yeah, we're recording this early, of course. Uh, So it is not yet Halloween where we are. We're in early October. So, yeah, my hope is that I can uh, see one of the many uh, versions put on by my local independent cinema this time, Halloween.
1: Go support your local independent cinema.
0: I know that I... (sighs) read somewhere that this movie would literally keep some small cinemas alive because they knew if they put on Rocky Horror on the weekend they'd get full houses
1: perfect that's that's yeah. exactly what you want Right? and people love this people still love this if you haven't seen it do yourself a favor get together with a whole bunch of people because you can watch this by yourself yes but it's not the same by yourself no
0: this movie you has really not survived for fifty years by people watching it uh by themselves as teenagers and taking notes like, yes the queer experience. I understand this. Even uh-huh. though that's what tell we me did. more.
1: <laughs> what is this about uh sexuality?
0: Hmm. Interesting.
1: Hmm. Quite, quite, hm.
0: Now Sam So Sa- here's the big question. Oh
1: yes. Uh huh.
0: Just imagining if you say no to this, uh, is it camp,
1: Sarah? This is this was top of the list when we began making this show. Mm -hmm. This was the first thing to go onto the list of is it camp. Where I said, I know this is camp, why am I even listing it here? Shouldn't we be exploring other things that maybe are camp? But it's important. To find these touchstones of Ur camp, this this prime camp, um, Absorbelof. Yes, yes, <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> and, like this is the essence of camp. This is everything you want. It is it is the margins made into the full thing. It is sex and horror and music and comedy all rolled into one and creating something so much more profound than what those parts could do individually sometimes. Yes. How about you, Sarah?
0: I agree. This movie is camp. Like, if, if Rocky Horror isn't camp, then we've said this before about what? other other properties, <laughs> but this, I really mean it. If this isn't camp, what is? Um, but also what really surprised me on this watch is two things. It's a really, really good movie. And the emotion of it in the third act. That that really surprised me. I wasn't expecting it. Uh, watch this movie. If you haven't seen this, watch this movie. It's Halloween, guys. You've got to watch this movie.
1: Uh, it's so much fun. I'm, I'm putting all of the songs back on my regular rotation until I get sick of them again and put them yes. away for a bit. <laughs> but... But yeah, I'm
0: going home is definitely god he kills that number.
1: Oh my god. It it breaks your heart to listen to him being like, "Well, death is coming. I guess this is it. And I've loved and I've lost and I've experienced so much." Uh, so good. Oh.
0: This this was fun. It's it's really fun to come back to something and realize it's more than you
1: Hmm. and I, I think this last year and a bit of us doing the show has helped us not only identify camp better but also see what camp does for us mm-hmm. and not just like I mean me and you I mean like for audiences right mm-hmm. it's more than just being silly or subversive it can say profound things within it
0: yeah this movie survived because communities found it uh this movie is so successful and so well known because communities found it whether that's you know people who love b movies or musicals or queer people it's just this movie doesn't exist without the communities that we create see i'm getting myself worked up again <laughs>
1: Go out, go find your community, and then force them to watch Rocky Horror. I don't care if they did it last year. Do it again this year.
0: And if they say, no, you're wrong, Tim Curry is not sexy, keep going because you're going to find your people, I promise. (laughs) So thank you for joining us today on our exploration of Rocky Horror. Please subscribe on your podcaster of choice. Leave a star rating and review where you can because it always helps us to find new people who may not know what their camp favorite is.
1: Yes, and next week we are sadly leaving spooky season, but we're heading into a special guest host Mm -hmm. where we will be watching and discussing Hudson Hawk.
0: I've seen part of this movie and I thought it was very, very funny and I didn't get what people don't like about it or why it bombed and that was like flipping through channels 15 years ago and i still haven't seen the whole thing and that that's my experience with it
1: i've only ever had the movie described to me and specifically by my best friend's dad who loves <laughs> this movie and if if you knew gerald's dad jerry yes gerald is a junior <laughs> if you if you knew him he is 50s muscle cars Hawaiian shirts you know being in the garage you know that kind of person and to hear that he really enjoys the movie Hudson Hawk a movie that apparently a lot of other people really hated when it came out I gotta think well what is it about this movie that appeals to this one guy the I'm so the- excited
0: yeah the this was chosen by uh katie beth uh katie beth who you may remember from uh our our flag means death episode and she loves this movie now the only the only thing i have to compare it to when i watched that uh clip flipping channel so many years ago was i was like this really reminds me of a movie that came out around the same time the last action hero a movie that also didn't really get appreciated as much as it should have
1: Oh, I love The Last Action
0: I Hero. love The Last Action Hero. He killed Mozart!
1: Yeah, he's the bad guy. It's Salieri. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you, our audience, our campers, happy Halloween to you, and you can continue the discussion on our Twitter and our Instagram. I am at Indigo, R-H-Y-S, spelled the Welsh way.
0: And I am at Sour Citrus Lady. You can follow the pod on at Is it Camp Pod Until next week. wait an hour before swimming. Watch out for snakes and stay camp. Oh, Rocky!
1: Patient! Yes, I knew you'd do that.